Welcome, 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 everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of NPL Leal Dish, my uh, Monday through Thursday live broadcast where I teach business and legal concepts using pop culture and celebrity news. If you're wondering who this lady is on the internet or if you're wondering who this voice is that you're hearing on the podcast, I am Natalie Pierre-Lewis. I'm the host of the show and owner and operator of NPL Consulting LLC, a business formation firm. What that means is I help people like yourself get your business paperwork together. So if you need help with things like registering your business with the state, getting EIN numbers, DUNS numbers, operating agreements, contracts, brand protection, money management tips, employee onboarding, all of those foundational things that some people might find tedious and boring, I actually find kind of interesting and I'm pretty good at helping you get it done. So that's what I do. If you're wondering why I'm qualified, hello, Busy Peach. If you're wondering why I'm qualified to help you, I'm so happy that you asked. Uh, I have been a licensed attorney for 13 years and counting. I have started multiple businesses for myself and others, both online and offline. I um, have had many careers in the realms of law, education, entrepreneurship, hospitality, and administrative support. And most important, I'm very passionate about making business and legal education as accessible to everyone as possible. Not everybody has the time, the money, or the desire to go to business school or to law school, but so many of you have amazing business ideas. And if you're going to be successful, there are just some things that you need to know. There's no way around it. And that's where I come in. If you would like to work with me and getting your business either started or getting it more structured, I am taking, uh, still taking one-on-one -on -one -on -one coaching sessions, but you only have a few more days. The 2019 sessions stop, um, December 15th. As well, um, aside from that, if you are not ready for a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, I want to let you guys know that I have a cool holiday uh, gift for you guys. So my entire catalog of eBooks, eight eBooks, they are all on sale for $29. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, $29 for eight eBooks with a $79 value. You get my eBooks on business entities, nonprofit entities, contracts, trademarks, patents, copyrights, Money management for entrepreneurs and employee onboarding. You get all eight of those ebooks for $29, okay? Um, now, this is a limited holiday sale. The sale actually ends Wednesday morning, what, I mean, Wednesday at midnight. So you want to get on it now. Go to the link in my bio, linktree forward slash MPL consulting firm, linktree forward slash MPL consulting firm, linktree forward slash MPL consulting firm. It is the first button. Hi and love life. How are you, my dear? Um, but yeah, so grab the, um, those eight eBooks will really give you a solid foundation of how to get your business together. Not everybody can afford, you know, a 200 plus hours, um, dollar session. Um, but $29 to, to get your foundation together for your business is a, um, it's, it's small and necessary investment. All right. So don't forget that. Um, also, if you would like to advertise your business on the show, I do sell 30 second spots starting at $3 and you can, um, check that out also at the link in my bio link tree forward slash NPL consulting firm. All right. So we are not going to waste any more time on introductions. We are going to get straight to the meat. All right. Um, I know, you know, it's holiday time. People are winding down, but we are not winding down. We keep going because these stories don't stop. All right. Um, so I'm going to need participation from you guys. I'm going to need energy 
and you know have a good time like we usually do mom i apologize in advance for playing with my hair but you know i don't like having it confined (laughs) all right so ladies and gentlemen the first uh, story that we are talking about today has to do with um a pretty well-known brand of shoes if you have ever heard of new balance the shoe brand new balance give me an n in the comments if you have ever heard of new balance sneakers um apparently they've been named the the sneaker of the alt-right i reject that uh, i rebuke that in the name of jesus <laughs> because new balances are comfortable and affordable so if you have heard of new balance sneakers give me an n in the comments okay um now new balance sneakers they have they've been you know in the market for a while they are a very sturdy very comfortable sneaker um thank you for the end busy peach i remember one of my professors in college she wore new balance sneakers every day i remember i don't know why that stuck with me i just know that she wore like a uh she wore like a um a sweatsuit and new balance sneakers every day um yes um anyway so new balance um sued a company called usa new bunren international company and this is basically a company that makes um knockoff products uh this company was selling fake new balances they had a website they were advertising it and new balance you know they filed suit in the united states against this um, company that's based in China for trademark infringement. Now, um, the company's defense to this trademark infringement lawsuit was that they weren't selling any sneakers in the United States. They're like, so what if we're infringing on your trademark? We're not selling any shoes in the U.S. where your trademark is located. We are selling shoes in China or, you know, wherever else in the world. The problem with that is... um, trademarks while you there is no such thing as an international trademark right while there's no such thing as an international trademark there are treaties we have treaties with other countries that enforce trademarks around the world so there's no real way to get out of you know using someone's trademark for a product in the same industry just because you're in a different country trademark rules can travel it might take a little bit more effort to um, enforce them but a company like new balance which i'm sure has plenty of money um is going to take the efforts to make sure that their name is not being dragged through the mud around the world New Balance already has to contend with, you know, does Nike use an N on any of their products? I don't think so, but, you know, you never know. But, you know, if if Nike decided to start putting N's on their sneakers, you know, that's another thing that New Balance has to, would have to contend with as Nike is, you know, an established brand. But they're not going to take that, hello, Brilliant Beauty, um, but they're not going to take that from some, you know, fly-by-night knockoff company that, you know, isn't even trying to make quality products. So New Balance has won this trademark infringement suit against this um, company, and yeah, and rightly so. Miss um, <laughs> Busy Peach, you, you stated it correctly. That's no excuse. Just because you're outside of the country doesn't absolve you of intellectual property 
um, laws and rights because again we have international treaties to help enforce um, people's intellectual people and companies intellectual property rights right all right so are we good on that I, I wanted to pick that case because I wanted to help you guys understand that while again while you cannot get an international trademark outright if you get a trademark where you are, there are treaties around the world that will help you enforce your trademark. Thank you for that, Busy Peach. All right. Um, so that was just a quick one, all right? Next story we are talking about has to do with hockey. Busy Peach or Brilliant Beauty, are either of you a fan of hockey? If you are, give me an H in the comments. Um, and while you do that, I'm going to give you a little bit of background, okay? So... There is a, um, a company tried to trademark the term, the name Palm Springs Firebirds for a, for a hockey team in Florida. Okay. Oh, Busy Peach, you're a hockey fan? Okay. Have you heard of the Palm Springs Firebirds? Um, uh, the, the, uh yeah. So while Busy Peach not right brilliant beauty said not right now okay well that's cool so there is um a potential team that uh they tried to trademark the name palm springs firebirds right the problem is there's already a hockey team in um that goes by the name flint firebirds and when they file their application for the palm springs firebirds you might think that Palm Springs is enough to differentiate the two Firebirds, right? No. Oh, you said no, Busy Beach? Okay. Um, here's the thing. The court denied the trademark application. Why? Because the courts, um, well, they're, they're, they're different states. Because one is Palm Springs, Palm Springs, Florida, and the other one is Flint. Um, and that's either Canada, because the... Uh, I think it's a Canadian team, but the Flint Firebirds. And then there's also the Palm Springs Firebirds. The thing is that these two teams are not affiliated. And apparently there is a custom in hockey that um, hockey teams in one league will affiliate with teams in another league and will share names. Uh, they didn't mention Michigan. They said Ontario. They said Ontario, Canada. No, that, that's the thing. They're not in the same league. These two teams are not affiliated at all. They're not affiliated at all. The problem with registering and, registering and trademarking the name is that within the industry of hockey, within the industry of hockey teams, there is a practice of teams that are in different leagues affiliating with each other and sharing names. So the closest um, equivalent I can think of is... Um, Football, college football, you have the different conferences, right? So it would be like somebody in the, the Northeastern Conference, a team in the Northeastern Conference, affiliating themselves, high von Schick one, affiliating themselves with someone from, let's say, the Southwest Conference. And even though they don't play each other, they have similar similar names. So this is what this is kind of what happens in hockey the problem with the palm springs firebirds is that the palm springs firebirds have no affiliation with the flint firebirds so the uspto office 
said that there is a likelihood of confusion because people might think that since they're both using the term firebirds and they are both in the business of hockey and the practice in hockey is for affiliated teams to share names is that there is a likelihood of confusion. So the court has denied the trademark in this case. So do you guys think that that was a smart decision by the court? Or do you think that putting the Palm Springs in front of Firebirds is enough to differentiate the teams? What do you guys think about that? Busy Peach is, you know, putting on her thinking cap. Because any other day, it would probably fly. But because there is this practice in the industry where teams will affiliate themselves with each other. Remember, it's not it when you are when you are um determining whether some something is going to cause confusion or not or you know whether there is infringement or whether something is generic particularly in trademarks, you can't just look overall at the broad spectrum. Sometimes you have to look within the industry. Brilliant Beauty said it's a great decision by the courts. I also think it's a smart decision because um if you're, you don't have any affiliation to each other, but you're in the same industry. I might think that, you know, the Palm Springs Firebirds are an offshoot of the on, the Flint Firebirds. Um, it's just, you know, I don't know if these are pro teams or anything, but I know that, you know, sometimes pro teams will have their semi-pro teams that they feed um, players into. What if somebody mistakes that and they think one team is kind of a feeder team for the other one? Um, so I also think that the court got it right. Thank you for your, um, input, Brilliant Beauty. Hello, Sincere39. You made it. So happy. Okay. Yes. So Palm Springs Firebirds has been denied, and we will wait and see what this hockey team comes up with for their next name. Busy Peach said, so how does denying the trademark protect them? Um, so here's the thing, um, their, their Palm Springs Firebird is going to have to change their team name. Um, they're not going to be able to call themselves the Firebirds. They're going to have to find another name that way. And there will not be any more confusion. They've actually changed their website. So their website said, we bring the fire. We bring, we, we got the fire, something about, we got the fire, something, the ice, and they have changed fire to heat, um, so that they're not, they're no longer using firebirds. Von Sheik said, I think it makes sense to differentiate by adding the additional name in front of firebirds. And Brilliant Beauty said, you're welcome. Oh, wait, I think I got it now. I'm missing something. Yeah. So Von Sheik, the thing, the thing that I think you may have missed this part in hockey, there is a practice of, affiliated teams that may not be in the same league or the same conference kind of, um, they'll, 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 you know, connect with each other or they'll, they will affiliate themselves with each other and they'll share names. So I might play in the Northeast league. Um, but I will affiliate myself with a team in the Southwest league. And even though we may never play each other, we might share a name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so there is a practice in hockey 
of teams affiliating with one another and sharing names. So that was the reason why the court denied the trademark for the Palm Springs team. Is that because these two teams, this this potential Palm Springs Firebirds and this current Flint Firebirds, they are not affiliated with each other within hockey. So there is a likelihood of confusion if Palm Springs Firebirds is given the trademark. Okay? All right. I'm glad we went over that again for you. Okay. Yeah. Good discussion, guys. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. All right. Um, so before we move on to the next story, I want to, um, let you guys know that, uh, I have a little holiday gift for you guys in my e-store. Um, a lot of you guys, I know that it's holiday time. You are buying gifts for friends and family and your kids and all that. And I want to make sure that you are able to get something for yourself. Um, I know that you always, you can't always book, you know, a one hour session with me. That's $200. But you did? You got yours? Okay. Cool. Um but my int- uh so I've I've done something for you guys. I have taken my entire ebook catalog and I have put it on sale for $29. Yes, all eight of my ebooks, business entities, nonprofit entities, contracts, money management for entrepreneurs, employee employee onboarding, trademarks, patents and copyrights. All eight of those ebooks are on sale right now for $29. That is a $79 value. Um, that is way more than 50% off. So um, the sale is only going on until midnight Wednesday. So get your bundle today. All right. It is the link in my bio, first button, linktree forward slash MPL consulting firm. Okay. And thanks for getting the bundle, Busy Peach. Um, all right. So let's move on to our next story. And this is actually something to do with patents, which we don't really talk about a lot, but I'm very excited about it. Um, so this is the, the, the case of KCG Technologies um, versus CarMax Auto, Auto Superstores. CarMax, I can't even read my own writing, y'all. Um, I... You got the download? Yeah, get the bundle, girl. Bundle is, um, it's great. (laughs) Okay, so KCG Technologies, um, they, they put something in a car. They basically put a touch screen in a car and they had filed a patent application for something called a virtual smartphone, right? Um, again, it was a touch screen in a car and they said that it would simulate a smartphone and alleviate a lot of the issues that the current issues that we have today with using our phones in the car, you know, with needing it to be hands-free and all that. So they put a screen in the car that would kind of act as a virtual smartphone. Now, this other company, CarMax, started to do the same thing with their cars and KCG, filed a patent infringement suit because they did file a, uh, um, a patent application. Right. Okay. Now here's the thing. Um, when they said that it was going to perform smartphone functions, they didn't give a specific way of performing it. Now, what I mean by that is when you are applying for a patent, for an invention or a way of doing something, there has to be something unique. There has to be something special about it. And basically, KCG Technologies was just saying, well, we're going to put a touch screen in the car that's going to take over the smart, the, the smartphone. 
Um, all of the parts that they used were standard industry parts. There was no like special material, no special microchip. It was just regular old touchscreen with an interface so you could use your smartphone. Um, the court said that um, this is not a new idea. Just putting a touchscreen in a car and, you know, using standard parts that anyone can use and, you know, giving it phone capabilities doesn't make it a new invention. Um, so they denied KCG's um, patent infringement suit, and I'm pretty sure that they're going to deny their patent application. Um, and basically, the, the court's argument was that, look, we understand what you're trying to do, but nothing you're trying to do is new under the sun. Busy Peach said not specific enough. You could say cars have that now with the onboard navigation and Bluetooth connection. Right, I agree with it or not. And exactly, that's what I was thinking about. So if you guys remember when I talked about um, Tesla last week, when me and my sister, um, I told you guys that me and my sister last year, we went to a Tesla store and we sat in one of the Tesla cars. They have a touchscreen in there and it does a lot of stuff. So when I was reading this story, I was like, I don't see how putting a touchscreen in a car, um, you know, gives you, it, it's something totally new. Like even now when I come in cars, I see plenty of people hooking their 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 phones up to their car's Bluetooth and they're able to kind of control from their car. So the court said, look, we understand what you're trying to do, but you're not doing anything special here. All you're doing is putting a screen in the car and that is not enough. You have you don't have a special hook, you don't have special materials, you don't have a special function. There is nothing special about your touchscreen or the technology that you're using. So we are going to deny this patent infringement suit, okay? All right. And um just to kind of get an idea, how many of you guys have touchscreens in your cars right now if you drive? So for those who are in the audience right now, if you have a touchscreen in your car, if you drive, give me a one. If you do not have a touchscreen in your car, give me a two. I'm going to put a two because I don't have a touchscreen because girl's still, still driving a car that she bought some years ago and I'm riding that thing so the wheels fall off because I like not having a car note. Um... Two, you don't have a touchscreen. Me neither, girl. High five. Um, <laughs> since okay, we are all you know, we are all um, late adopters of touchscreens. <laughs> yes, no car notes. <laughs> they wow, nobody here has a touchscreen in the car. Well, maybe it wasn't as you know ubiquitous as I thought. Um, either way, KCG Technologies is out some money because they're not going to get that application money back. And now probably all of the money that they've put into research and development for this, you know, novel new virtual smartphone is in the toilet. So, um, yes, girl, frugal. And I, I just, um, bought a new roof. So, <laughs> all right so good luck to kcg technologies maybe they will find something um you know a kind of different hook that they can do with this virtual smartphone i don't know maybe it i don't know monitors your heart rate who knows um busy peach said carmax is going to hire the researcher and do it better Hmm. well the researcher might have a non-competition clause and may not be able 
to be hired by them. Because uh, depending on how long this is, this has been um, going on, I'm sure that KCG Technologies <laughs> um, uh, had made them sign a, a non-disclosure, non-competition agreement. Brilliant Beauty said, my phone is touchscreen. That's right. That's right. We got touchscreen telephone. We don't need touchscreens in our car. <laughs> I got that little magnetic mount in my car so I can just stick my phone on there. That is my touchscreen. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's move on to our last story. Um, does has anybody here ever attended New York Fashion Week, or have you ever watched a New York Fashion Week sh- um, fashion show? Uh, Busy Peach said they didn't think uh, through. They didn't think well through the application. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, well, you know, maybe they did. Maybe they thought it was something new. Uh, or maybe they just didn't dis- discuss it with, you know, industry leaders well enough. So we'll wait and see. Um, but yes. So moving on to our final story of the evening. We're talking about Fashion Week. Sincere 39 does not watch Fashion Week or has n- never watched a Fashion Week show. I catch some of the shows, you know, on social media. They don't, they don't um, broadcast them on TV. Uh, but I do see snippets on social media from different designers. But we all know New York Fashion Week, it's like a big thing. Big designers, they, they you know, debut their lines. They have busy, we- busy Peach watches fashion sh- the New York Fashion Week shows on YouTube. Okay. And we know all the big designers do New York Fashion Week. Oscar de la Renta, um, Versace, all of them, uh, Brianna, everybody. Um, right? And if you didn't know, New York Fashion Week is an actual brand. It was a company and it was, and all of their rights and trademarks were acquired. Well, not rights, not trademarks, but all of the rights to New York Fashion Week were acquired by two companies, um, ING Worldwide and the Council of Fashion Designers of America. Uh, they got all the rights to New York Fashion Week back in 2001, right? Here's the problem. There, a, a company started six years ago, um, so or someone started a company six years ago named Fashion Week Inc. Um, and now, IMG Worldwide and Council of Fashion Designers of America, in terms of New York Fashion Week, they use the term New York Fashion Week in terms of organizing and producing fashion shows. This new company, Fashion Week Inc., that is six years old. They have no connection to New York Fashion Week in terms of putting on shows or IMG or or the council, right? They mostly focus on selling tickets to the shows or, you know, selling gifts. Um, and, and they have filed trademarks for New York Fashion Week. They filed a trademark for New York Fashion Week for New York Fashion Week in 2013, for an online ticket agency service. Now, since then, they have filed about 13 different trademark applications, all very, very close to the terms that IMG and the, the Fashion Council use for New York Fashion Week. Now, remember, New, um, New York Fashion Week, in terms of IMG, they use it for, for organizing and producing fashion shows. Fashion Week, these trademarks that they're filing, they're saying that they're for an online ticket agency service, right? 
So IMG and the council, they find out that this new upstart company is trying to file all of these trademarks and they start sending cease and desist letters. Um, and they also, um, busy Peach said fashion week Inc might be in trouble and blast any attempt to trade off their name too similar. Yeah, it, it is very similar. So new, uh, so IMG and the council, they find out that fashion week Inc is, you know, filing all these trademarks. They send cease and desist letters. Um, and they oppose the trademark applications that fashion week Inc is submitting. Um, they say that the defendants are trying to confuse the public. I actually went to Fashion Inc.'s website, and when you when you go to the website, immediately it is um, like a, a moving image of a woman going down a runway, and they say, thank you for your interest in New York Fashion Week. So you, if you don't know any better, you actually think that this is a, um, you know, a company that is affiliated with the fashion shows of New York Fashion Week, right? Um, now, so, so, um, hi, all about wisdom. Yeah, not good, Busy Peach. So IMG and the council, they send a cease and desist letter to Fashion Week Inc. And do you know what they did? They basically told IMG and councils, they said, hey, well, you can buy these trademarks from us and also stop sending us cease and desist letters or we're going to sue you. Um, but after going back and forth for a little, they, they stopped, you know, they, they stopped being so aggressive. No, <laughs> I've been good. Thank you. So, um, after, after going back and forth a little fashion week, Inc., they kind of backed off a little. They're like, you know, we're going a little too hard. We're going to stop. Right. But then they took a break and then came back and filed even more trademark applications and they started sending cease and desist letters to IMG and the Council of Fashion Designers of America. Can you imagine that? Busy Peach, can you imagine if somebody trademarked your name, Busy Peach, and then sent you a cease and desist letter and said, do not use Busy Peach because we own it. That's exactly what Fashion Week Inc. did, okay? Um, anyway, so... Now, remember, Fashion Week Inc. has been trademarking the New York Fashion Week um, app, has been, um, yeah, they're bold and brash. So they've been filing, <laughs> that is that is bull. They've been filing these trademark applications in the realm of online ticket agency services. But here's the kicker. Fashion Week Inc. has started producing and hosting their own fashion shows. So now they are in direct competition with IMG and the Council of Fashion Designers of America. So my question to you, ladies and gentlemen, is do you think that there, that there can be more than one, um, New York Fashion Week kind of head honcho? Because Fashion Week Inc., apparently they're gaining steam. Um, IMG and the Council of Fashion Designers, they're doing their best, but how can they stem the tide of people being fooled by Fashion Week Inc.? Busy Peach, they are now, they are now way out of pocket. They are way out of pocket, but apparently they're getting away with it. So what can New York Fashion Week, what can IMG and the Council of Fashion Designers do? Because they've sent cease and desist letters, they've opposed the, the trademark filings, 
And Fashion Week is basically like, we wish you would. In fact, we're going to sue you. Or you can buy these trademark applications from us. What do you think that IMG and Council of Fashion Designers of America can do to preserve New York Fashion Week and all of the goodwill, the reputation that they have built up over these years? Because Fashion Week Inc. is out here just trying to take everything. And do you think that Fashion Week Inc. getting into producing their own shows, do you think that that um, puts them in more danger of being found guilty of infringement? Meaning, do you think that the fact that they are now, they have gone past just selling tickets and now they are putting on shows, just like IMG and the Council of Fashion Designers, do you think that puts them in more danger of being considered trademark infringers for New York Fashion Week. Busy Peach said yes, that puts them puts them in more danger. Sincere 39 said yes. I agree too. You know, we know that you can have more than one trademark as long as they are in different industries. Um, Busy Peach said not sure what solution would be other than suing. And Fashion Week as as kind of I would say slimy as slimy as it was there was a difference. IMG and, C and the Council of Fashion Designers, they're putting on fashion shows. Fashion Week Inc. was here selling tickets. Two different things. Even though they're in the same industry, they're doing different things. But now, Fashion Week Inc. is getting into IMG and CFDA's lane. So they have probably overreached. They probably were feeling themselves that, well, they can't do nothing to us. We're going to get this money. And I will be very um, interested to see how this case turns out because I have a feeling that Fashion Week Inc. is not going to be able to put on these shows and still call it New York Fashion Week. They may still be able to put on the shows, but they may not be able to use the names anymore. So we will just have to wait and see what happens with the court. Um, and my question to you, another question I have for you guys is, if the court finds in favor of IMG and the Council of Fashion Designers of America, what kind of um, award, what kind of award do you think they should get? Do you think it should, like, obviously they're going to want them to stop using New York Fashion Week, but how much money do you think these fashion shows bring in? How much revenue do you think they that they might have lost from Fashion Week, Inc.? Because the fashion industry is very, it, I mean, there's so much money in it. Um, yeah. I think they, I'm thinking they're, they're probably going to want a few million dollars because this has been going on for some time. It's been going on since at least 2013. Um, uh, and if I was, um, Busy Peach said revenue from sales that ink generated, right? Sales that ink generated, but what about the revenue that IMG may have lost? It's not just about what um, ink generated. So let's say ink is selling discounted ticket prices, right? Um, and let's say they're selling their tickets for $50. And New York Fashion Week tickets through IMG usually cost $100. And uh, Fashion Week sells out their tickets. IMG has not just lost, let's say there's 100 tickets times 50, that's five. $5,000. Fashion Week Inc. made $5,000, but IMG and Council of Fashion Designers of America lost 
$10,000 because they didn't get that ticket sales. So do you think that Fashion Week should be responsible for the $5,000 or for the $10,000? Since they 39 said they probably lost millions, Busy Peach said, oh yeah, shut them down. So how much do you think that Fashion Week should be responsible for? What do you think that IMG and the Council of Fashion Designers of America should get out of this? Busy Peach said 10K. So it should be based on what the plaintiffs have lost and not what the defendant has gained. Is that what you're saying? <clears throat> because that's um, because that's you that's usually how it goes. When the court is giving you an award, they want to make you whole. So they look at okay, where would you have been had this not happened, and they try and make you whole in that way. Okay, so I think we're all on the same lines there. Yes, guys. All right, all right. You guys should apply to be um, arbiters on the USPTO board. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. I think they're all lawyers. Um, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> but, yeah. So, well, oh, wow. We're um, a little bit over time, but that's fine. Um, but, yeah. But those were the stories that I had for you today. Um, I... Yeah, so we talked about, what did we talk about? We talked about New Balances and Chinese knockoffs. We talked about hockey teams and affiliated names. We talked about cars and touchscreens and New York Fashion Week. Um, so I'm going to take Q&A for about three minutes. I'm going to give you guys some time to write in your questions while you do that. I'm going to remind you of some things. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not gotten your business off the ground for 2020, um, you need to start now. You want to start the new year with a plan. So I have some options for you. My one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions are still available up until December 15th. Uh, you can go to linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm and book your one hour session. Now, one hour sessions are 217. All right. If you cannot do the one hour um, coaching sessions, my entire ebook catalog is on sale until Wednesday midnight. Um, you get eight ebooks for $29, eight ebooks on different aspects of business formation, business entities, nonprofits, trademarks, patents, copyrights. Contracts, money management for entrepreneurs, and employee onboarding. You get all that for $29. Um, but that is over Wednesday at midnight as well. If you want to talk to me and chat with me and pick my brain, um, if you are a first-time client, I do offer 15-minute 15, 15 um free 15 minute discovery call so we can see how I can help you or if you want something a little longer on Tuesdays I have a my talk to me Tuesday special where you can get a 25 minute um session for $25 and you can pick my brain and ask me all the questions that you want you can find all that at linktree forward slash npl consulting firm Linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm, Linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm. As well, um, if you want to advertise your business on the show, uh, I do sell 30 second spots starting at $3. And you can also book that at Linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm. All right. So that's all I have for you. We're going to be back here tomorrow, but we're going to be here at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Thank you, Busy Peach. You have a good night, too. We're going to be back here at 7 p.m. tomorrow night. If you heard that, put 7 p.m. in the comments. Um, yes, because uh, remember last week I moved it up because I had a client. The client rescheduled, so they rescheduled to tomorrow, so I'm going to be working with them. So we are on at 7 p.m. tomorrow. 
All right. So have a good night, everyone. Um, take care of yourselves. Uh, yes. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Yes. 7 PM. Good night, mom. Good night, dad. Uh, and bye guys.